Hello and welcome to the Show Thyself Approved Podcast. I'm Cole. And today, in this week's episode, we have special guest, Brother Michael Gary. Brother Mike has been coming to Highland for a little over eight months now, and he is he's now our men's Sunday school teacher. We brought him on to talk about a different way to pray. Not a new way to pray, obviously. There's no new ways to pray, but a, just a different way to pray. And it's really blessed us. We, we kind of talked about it before he came on, and it's really blessed me and Brother Tanner a lot. Um, so if you open your ears and your hearts, I can almost promise you it will bless you. Uh, so, Brother Michael, if you want to just talk about your testimony and kind of where you've been and all that. Okay, I, pre- I appreciate you guys inviting me to come down and, uh, and share with you today. And, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start about my life growing up. I'm, I'm not a young fella anymore. I've been around a while. And, uh, but I, I'm a lifelong resident of uh, Grundy County. Lived on this mountain all my life. And I was born in 1949. So I was raised in a, a, I guess it might be called a sort of an innocent time uh, up here on this mountain. And uh, but I was raised in a good family. Had a, I can't remember a time in my childhood that I didn't attend church. My, my mom and daddy uh, took me and my whole family. I had a brother and a sister. And we all went to church every time the door was open. And so we had a, had a church life and uh, I, that was just that was just part of life growing up for me and uh, of course I did like most all the all the kids my, and growing up here I went to went to the local school Shook School and uh, and I, 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 I can say that my I had a pretty good success in school had fun and so uh, as I grew up in uh, Grundy County and Tracy City. Of course, I, I worked growing up. My dad and his family had a grocery store, and so from the time I was about five years old, I was required to to be at the store if I wasn't at school most of the time. Uh, but uh, growing up in high school, I had a uh, I, I had a I, I was pretty good in high school. Did did well. But of course, I, when I turned into a teenager, I, got, I guess I tried my little wild streak out. And at that time up here, there was no, uh, <laughs> parents didn't have to worry about drugs or anything in those days. Uh, and we had to sneak around to drink beer and stuff like that that a lot of teenagers do. Even though I knew it wasn't right, I knew my parents wouldn't approve. It was just one of those things that happened that I did. And uh, I, there was, a, I believe when I graduated high school, it was in 1967, and, and I'm sure that uh, there was some marijuana pot in, in Grundy County, but it was so new to the area, I guess, I, I, was, I just wasn't even aware of it. Uh, but at the time of uh, my graduation, uh, is a time of the, when the Vietnam War was going on, and, and the only way to keep from getting drafted is was if you went to college. We, there was several things you could get. You could go to college, or you could get married, and have a child. And I didn't want to get married at the time, so I, I really, uh, in my mind, I said, "Well, I'm going to uh, hold off on this going to the military." And so I went to college, and I just, at that time, I just didn't really like it at all. And so actually, I flunked out of college. And I, did, I didn't want to go to class, and that don't work. So it was immediately after I, I flunked my f- first semester, 
I got a notice from the draft board and I got drafted. And so and, uh, I had a choice, they gave me a choice of either uh, going into the Army for two years or going uh, into the Navy for four years. So I chose to go to the Navy. And uh, it was a pretty shocking thing for me to, to, I hadn't been out of Grundy County much. And it was, a, it was really a shock when I went to boot camp down in Florida. And, uh, and then after, after boot camp, I was, uh, I was shipped out to California. And of course, my whole idea of joining the Navy, I, I kind of wanted to avoid the conflict in Vietnam. I, I knew it was, uh, I knew a lot of people that was over there. And uh, so as soon as I got out of boot camp, they sent me to California and I got aboard an ammunition ship and we went to Vietnam. So I guess I didn't get to circumvent that idea. The, so it's, uh, in the Navy, I believe it was in California when I got, uh, came back the first time on my first cruise, uh, I went to school. They sent me to a school in a nuclear power school in California. And that is where I fir first tried my first puff of marijuana. And uh, we, I remember, but the guys all left the base and we were in a car, somebody had a car, and we went to a drive-in theater. And I, I experimented with pot. And it scared me to death. I, I was the most paranoid guy in the world. I was, I, I was, I just didn't know what was going on because I'd never used drugs, never seen anybody use drugs before, and just smoked. Of course, I smoked cigarettes at the time, but the the pot really, uh, really floored me. So I did. After the first experiment, it was a while before I, I tried it again. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, a pothead yet, and. Um, I went to uh, through several schools in the Navy, and uh, matter of fact, I was so good at one school they kept me on as an instructor, and uh, I exper experimented with pot a little bit at that time also. Uh, so eventually, they they sent me to a submarine, put me on a submarine. I'd been on an ammunition ship, but I was trained to operate a nuclear power plant on a submarine. USS San Lance uh, after about three years in the military and uh, it was something I didn't like at all <laughs> I didn't realize I had a, I was that claustrophobic so the first time we went out to sea it was on an emergency mission and we um, they didn't tell us we was going we showed up for work and went aboard the boat and uh, they said we're leaving so we just left and we were gone for about 45 days. And, um, and of course all the missions we were on were top secret so they couldn't tell anybody where we were. And, uh, but anyway, when I got back, I decided I didn't wanna be on a submarine and I asked for a transfer. And uh, that was denied. And I didn't wanna get back on the submarine so uh, I, had, uh, I had tried some drugs uh, I, matter of fact, there was mushrooms growing in South Carolina that they called them the magic mushrooms. And I went back to the ship basically on purpose to uh, be, just to have them transfer me off the ship. I was messed up when I got to work. And that didn't go over too good with the skipper. And uh, they sent me to the hospital and they went on about their business and I did mine. 
But the hospital they sent me to back then, what they did for anybody that was using drugs, it was a mental ward. And I was in a mental hospital, in the, a military mental hospital. And uh, at the first chance I got, I left there. And uh, I went over the hill for a few days, well, quite a few days, 59 days, and traveled across the country. And that's where I started using a lot more drugs, mostly marijuana. Some people had uh, introduced me to other drugs. But to make that long story short, I did get out of the Navy after seven years and after serving three tours over in Vietnam. Uh, and I, I came back home to Grundy County, couldn't wait to get back. And things had changed a lot when I got back here. I didn't, uh, all the people I graduated with had, had, were married, had families. They had, a lot of them had moved off. And so my new group of friends were friends were that, that were a lot younger than me, well, say maybe six, eight, 10 years younger. And they were into a lot of drugs. And so I, I got into using drugs pretty heavy. Uh, matter of fact, I got a job. Uh, we, I was at a, there was a nightclub in Tracy City, if you can believe it, it was called Jerry's Place. And I was the one that did the disco. And I had a nickname, a long story about the nickname, but they called me Woodstock. And uh, I guess I became sort of a celebrity in Tracy City because everybody come out to hear Woodstock's disco on, on a Friday and Saturday night. And the place was always packed. Well, the drug abuse got worse and worse. I was, I was a traveling party everywhere I went. I had a group of people with me that were ready to party. Alcohol, drugs, hard drugs even. The hard drugs then were the pills. The pills had started coming then. And uh, and life went on that way for a couple of years. And uh, I had I was living in a trailer. And a friend of mine, his, mom, his parents kicked him out. And so he asked if he could come stay there for a while. And which he was a drug user too. And it had gotten so far that, uh, you know, at a place that I didn't think I'd ever be, but I was, because uh, I was scared of needles. But I found myself uh, at the kitchen table with my friend, and we were taking the stuff out of pills and mix, mixing it up with water and injecting it into her vein. I did that just a few times. And my friend was smart enough, or wise enough, or God used him, actually. And uh, he looked at me while we were sitting at the kitchen table. And he said, uh, Michael, I believe you need help. And I sort of looked at him because he was using the needle too. And I said, I don't believe I need any help. Uh, and I was, of course, out of my mind. And uh, I said, I don't really know what kind of help you're talking about. And so the next day he woke me up and he had already left and come back. And he had set up a meeting with me and his mother and her pastor out at their house out in Clouds Hill. I didn't realize what was going on, what was gonna happen. And like I said, I've been raised in church, but I guess over the years I had the gospel and what had been preached and the way I was supposed to live, I'd forgotten all about it. 
and even during going to church during those years, I, I never ha can say that I was actually, I'd ever accepted Jesus into my heart. But I did, uh, I remember when I walked in the house out there at Clouds Hill, we sat down in the living room, and Brother John Gamble, he was a, a, a Baptist preacher down in Mont Eagle. That was uh, Steve's mother's pastor. He was just a fine man. And he sat down, and he had such a loving nature about him, but he didn't, he didn't do anything except sit there and tell me about Jesus and the plan of salvation. And it didn't take very long. I mean, he didn't talk five minutes about what it took to be saved. And he looked at me, and he said, Michael, do you want to be saved? And my answer was a definite yes. And we never, <laughs> and my altar was the coffee table in the living room. But I knelt down there and asked Jesus into my heart, not really understanding completely what being saved meant. But uh, I knew that this man was telling me the truth. And the words that he read out of the Bible, I knew they were true. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart to be my Savior. And got up and left and didn't uh, really know what I was supposed to do from that point on. He invited me to church, and that was on a Friday. So uh, I didn't really understand the, the concept yet, but I knew I had changed because I went back to work at the, at the, at the beer joint Friday night, running the disco and playing music, but I felt so out of place for some reason. <laughs> I know now what it was, because I wasn't supposed to be there. And it took me a whole lot of, uh, took a whole lot of guts to go up to the guy that ran the place, Jerry Shields. He was a good friend of mine. And I said, Jerry, I said, I said, I'm not, I don't believe I'm going to be here tomorrow night. And he asked, he said, Woodstock, why not? I said, well. I think I'm going to start going to church. And he laughed at me. And I said, well, I won't be here tomorrow night. He said, well, whatever you want to do. And, and that was about it. So uh, Sunday rolled around. I didn't go out there Saturday night. Sunday rolled around. I went to church. And uh, me and the, my friend, and we had our girlfriends with us. We went, we all four went to church. And and the ones that were with me got saved down at his church. It was the little Baptist church uh, down in down in Montego, excuse me. And uh, when we got, uh, it wasn't maybe the next week. People had started inviting us to different churches, and so we ended up going to a church out in Colmont, Sweeten Hill. And there was some pretty heavy preaching going on, and all of a sudden. My friends, the people that I was running around with, were starting to notice the change in me and my and the other friend, and uh, they started coming to church and they started getting saved, and it was sort of like what's going on on a different level, though. It, what's going on at Highland Church here now? People are inviting were inviting their friends to church, and as soon as they would hear the gospel, they would say yes. And so there was a big revival that went on, I guess, for about a year. People, young people getting saved. And I was the oldest one out of all of them because 
because I'd been uh, been gone for a few years, but there was a lot of young people getting saved. The little church out there was busting at the seams, and uh, it wasn't only happening at that church because there was other churches, the same thing was going on. There was a revival moving across the county, and it was mostly young people that were on drugs, and, uh, of course, uh, that was back in the day where having long hair and beard was pretty popular, and... So all these long-haired, hippie-looking folks were coming to church. And it was kind of hard on some of the older people to get used to, but they were coming in and genuinely getting saved. And, uh, and the older generation was just, just sort of having to put up with the part they didn't like. I mean, the, the long, it was mostly the long hair. And, uh, of course, we just sort of shrugged off comments about the long hair again because it... That, the generation that was coming in, they were probably happy for the first time in their life after they met Jesus. And so that was, uh, so my salvation was the beginning of my new life. And with Jesus in my heart and me learning how to pray and read the Bible and try to follow his will, it was about a year after I was saved that I, I felt the call to preach. And uh, I, I studied about it a long time, and finally I surrendered to it. And uh, Brother Tony King at Sweeten Hill, he was a he was a mentor to me. He was a, sort of took me under his wing and let me preach there. Before long, I was going to other churches preaching, preaching revivals, seeing people getting saved, and God used me in that time uh, in a in a mighty way. And not long after that, uh, my life started coming together real well. And and is I, I I wasn't real young when all this happened. I was in my twenties, but uh, gosh, I I can look back now and I wish that when I was in high school or right after I got any time during that when I was younger, I wish I'd I wish I'd have met Jesus a long time ago. It seemed like those were some wasted years. But uh, I wish I had said, I wish I had known a long time ago. But anyway, to make a long story short, my life kept going. I was married to my sweetheart, and we had two children. It went from there to, uh, uh, I was pastoring a church. I pastored a church down in a uh, little church called Wilder's Chapel down in the valley. was down there several years, and it was a, uh, I went as assistant pastor to several churches in the area and a youth pastor in one or two churches. Uh, but I was very active in the church. and uh, Of course, there's times in my walk with the Lord, and this was later on in my walk with the Lord, after, after I'd preached for you know, 15 to 20 years, uh, there was a time I became, I became unfaithful to the Lord. I'm not saying that, uh, I'm definitely not saying that God was not faithful to me. He has never, God has never been unfaithful. But uh, the times that I, I was sort of a hot and cold Christian, I would be good one day and not the next day. And uh, But God was always faithful. He never left me. I remember uh, the... I, my, I, I guess many of you know I have, I've got two sons, Michael and John, and uh, 
Michael was, uh, he just went to college, started his life, moved away from the mountain, and did great. He's been doing great ever since. And John stood around, stayed around here, my son John. And of course, he, I guess you could say the apple don't fall too far from the tree because he got some of the things even worse than I did. And uh, this went on for several years. And like I said, I was in and out of God's will during that time, but I knew that uh, God was still near, and that He heard my in my heart. He He heard my prayer because this is where my prayer life really began to get real, and this is where I really started uh, my deep deepest commitment to the Lord Jesus. I started my prayer. You. Uh, I would pray for John just continuously every day. And it was the same thing. God, please speak to my son. Get him off drugs. Save him. Bring him under conviction. It was the same prayer over and over and over for years. Over and over. Same thing. Lord, please speak to John. And I I did most of my praying I, I like to walk. I, I, I do. A, I walk four to five miles a day, and just to try to stay in shape. And I enjoy walking. And uh, that's where I did most of my praying. As a matter of fact, the part of the Mountain Goat Trail, I, I call it the Miracle Mile, because that's when I started <laughs> seeing some of my some of my prayers come to fruition. Uh, but I remember one day as I was. Uh, walking down the trail praying I prayed the same prayer God please save my son he's going to die if you something doesn't happen and it was just like I heard a voice in my head but it sounded like my daddy <laughs> my daddy used to I used to do the same thing with my daddy I would ask him over and over daddy can I do this daddy do this can I do this <laughs> But Daddy was always calm about it, and he would say in a nice, calm voice, I heard you the first time. And uh, when I was praying for John, I heard that voice. <laughs> and uh, from that time on, I began to, I, I do get emotional when I talk about this, but from that time on, I believed God. Instead of asking, I started believing. And uh, I decided that I was going to quit asking God to save John. And I was going to start thanking him for answering my prayer. And so for nearly two years on that trail, every time I walked and prayed, I never once asked God to speak to John, to save John, to get him off drugs, but I would rejoice and praise God all the way down through there, thanking him <laughs> because I knew he was going to answer that prayer. I believed him. And uh, sometimes it was hard because he was still still getting in trouble, getting in jail. He'd show up at the house in bad shape. And I know he don't mind me telling this because he's given his testimony. But he would... Uh, he would take things from me, steal things from me, lie to me. And I knew what, what was going on. 
but I still would go and walk. And when I would pray, I would not ask God, but I would thank him for what he was doing. Because it sure didn't look like he was doing anything a lot of times. It looked like it's, a, it's, a, it's you know, the devil would say, you're wasting your time. Yeah. You need to get back on your knees and start asking again. But something in my, in my heart was telling me, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit of God, that was telling me that God is answering my prayer. And I just had to wait on the Lord. And so I guess it was uh, when it, the day that, uh, I mean, I had been, been out walking that morning and uh, as I, you know, there's a lot of times people on the trail would stop me and ask me if I was okay because I'd be crying and raising my hands, praising the Lord. And, and uh, I've, uh, there's a cow pasture down there. I used to stop and <laughs> sing, sing uh, songs to the cattle. <laughs> I even have an old bull over there that would shout every now and then. Yeah. But I, I had a had a good time with the. Uh, with uh, with walking and it got to be such a joy to to praise the Lord and thank Him for uh, uh, just answering listening to my prayer. I was yeah. thanking Him. So one day, as I was walking, my other son Mike Michael called me while I was walking, and they, he said, "Dad, we've got to do something with John." He said, there's people that are dying from, I said, he's on the needle bad. There's people dying because of this drug, these drugs are laced with fentanyl. He said, one of the friends that he's been with died not long ago. He said, and I found out that John was with him prior to him dying. He said, we've got to do something. I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, we're going to get him. He's over at mom's house, his mom's house. He said, I'm coming up. And said, we're going to have a family meeting, and we're going to talk about it. And I said, I'll be there. Before I went, before I went over there, I got on to, I got on my phone. And I called my pastor, Brother Danny Caulfield, and I, I told him I need to talk to him. And of course, this was the time when, when the COVID uh, had started up, and people, people were being staying away from each other as much as they could. But Brother Danny said, come on out told him what was going on and he and I prayed and uh, I said well I've got to go to the meeting and uh, so I went over to his mom's house and uh, we we came in and John was in the living room he didn't realize this was fixing to happen and his brother was the first to start and he started begging him telling him how scared he was afraid he was going to die and he didn't want his brother to die. And then we all started talking to him, letting him know how much we loved him. And, uh, and of course, John tells me the story now about while we were in there talking to him, trying to convince him to change and get help. And uh, in, in his mind, he said, well, I'm going to have to tell him yes just to get him off my back. So he agreed to go to uh, Cadus in uh, Chattanooga to get to get off, to get uh, off of the withdrawals, because he was he was going to start having some withdrawals if he didn't get his drugs. And uh, I took him over there, and it took a while, but he stayed over there I think a week, and 
got clean, but we knew, everybody knew that if John came back, that he would be back doing the same thing because he told us later that he went to cages just to satisfy us. But, uh, but God, he had a friend that uh, had, got, had gotten him a job and his friend was a former drug addict. So in John C, he, got, he was clean for a while. He was in, in jail in Marion County Jail for about six months. He was clean during that time. And after that, he started going to meetings just, just sort of to, to try to get started again. But he met, met Doug Johnson. Doug got him a job at Viam. And things were going good there for a little while. But uh, Doug is the one that helped us because John started got pretty bad on drugs again. And not to confuse you where we're at now, but John was working and then he got fired because of drug use. And then he went to Cadiz. But Doug is the one that got us in contact with the folks to get him to Recovery Soldiers Ministry up in uh, Elizabethton, Tennessee. And uh, John agreed to go. We, I was, I was, we were all sort of shocked. But we were pretty positive, uh, had a per pretty positive attitude when we told him we where he was going. And Doug was a big help on this. And Doug uh, lined it up, got him accepted up there, and drove him up there. And it was a year commitment for him to uh, be up there. And Recovery Soldiers Ministry is, is faith-based. It is not a 12-step program, but they introduce you to Jesus Christ. And it's like uh, John's called it many times. It's Bible boot camp. You go there and you read the Bible and you learn to pray and you follow orders. You do what you're told to do. And uh, a very loving bunch of folks. But I think it was at the end of, end of May of that year, after he had been there about three, I guess maybe about three or four days, all of this, all he was hearing was preaching and praying, and and uh, he said he had to, as soon as he got up out of off his bunk, first thing everybody did in the morning, they got on their knees and they were required to pray 20 minutes. And he said he didn't know what he was doing, but he saw how happy everybody was, and after hearing all the preaching, all, the, all of the Bible reading, he went to the pastor and he said, I want this. I want to be baptized. And he, he was baptized and saved. And of course, Malcolm, this, that instance right there, when he went to RSM, that is what uh, changed my commitment. Instead of being off and on, cold and hot, uh, being unfaithful and faithful with the Lord, I renewed my commitment to God. And, uh, I mean, I had a good reason to, because <laughs> he answered my prayer. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's uh, the, the prayer that I kept thanking him for all that time, for nearly two years. And now uh, I still feel like the same way. I pray, when I pray for my son, my, both my sons, anybody, my, matter of fact, anybody I pray for, I don't know if it's... Uh, there's probably some people that will tear the theory apart biblically, but I've looked in the Bible myself, and I know that uh, if you pray with faith, pray believing, pray in God's will, 
there's a promise in the Bible that says it'll be done to you, be given yeah. to you. Yeah. And I rely on that promise. And when I pray for somebody, and of course I'm on Facebook a lot, and you know how all the Facebook prayer requests that come by. Mm-hmm. And I made a commitment that when I saw a Facebook prayer request that I wouldn't just write praying on there. I would stop what I was doing and I would pray. But after that, I wouldn't pray and ask anymore, but I would thank God that he was answering that prayer according to his will. And uh, my prayer life has sort of changed to that now. I I still find myself praying for things repetitively, but it seems like the best way for me in my prayer life is to pray to God and believe when I pray without any doubt, doubt whatsoever that God is going to hear my prayer and he's going to answer it according to his will. And that's what else could a person ask for? There's no, there's no, no better way in my, my mind that I could pray. And uh, so that's what I do now is, is uh, in my prayer life. I know I've got, I've gone all the way from, from being going to school and shook school to where I sit right now at Highland Community Church. And that's, and that's a, that was 43 years ago when I was saved. And uh, it's the only thing different now is I'm going to church with a lot of people that's a lot younger than me. And I mean, a whole lot younger than me. Uh, as a matter of fact, we was having a Bible study. First time I came to Bible study, I was telling them about it. I said I was saved. Uh, I said, about 42 years ago, that was last last year, and uh, Brother Jerry, he said, I know what year that was. That was 1978. And I said, how'd you know that? And he said, because that's the year I was born. <laughs> and so, but it's been a joy to, to be in fellowship down here at Highland Church and, and, be, and see what the, the Lord is doing among all, the, all of his people down here. It's just a blessing to be here. And I'm grateful that the, these guys have asked me to, to come and share my testimony because uh, it's, it's not very often I get to share it because uh, I do live by myself now and I'm not out in the public that often. It's mostly, mostly my public life is, is in, in, at church. And uh, it's, it's just, a, just a, I really thank y'all for letting me share this because it's, it's, it's also strengthened me. And I hope that if there's anybody out there that uh, that listens to this podcast that uh, that don't know Jesus, I don't care how old you are, don't care how young you are, I don't care if you've been a Christian and you've drifted way away, I don't care if you're a lukewarm Christian, whatever it is, I beg you to surrender, just surrender your heart to God, because uh, these times that we're living in, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's completely, I mean, we're living in very uh, uh, scary times. Yeah. I, didn't have to, I didn't have to put up with this when I was growing up. Times were a lot easier on us, but our, our world is in a bad shape, and we need Jesus more than anything right now. And I hope that uh, I hope that if anybody that's listening to this podcast, and I, and I don't want any credit if you do accept Jesus, uh, but I wish you'd turn to Him and, and ask Him into your heart, 
And I guarantee you that you won't regret it. I guarantee you won't regret it. If you're away from God, if you've been walking at a distance, come back to him. Uh, uh, give God another chance. Let him, show, let him show you what he can do with your life, especially in these days. You need God. Well, something that I've heard recently was, uh, I believe it was Pastor C.T. Townsend on his Let's Go to Church uh, album, which has just been a blessing to me. I know it's been a blessing to Brother Tanner, and if you haven't listened to it, it's good. you you got to check it out. But uh, he, he says, I've never known anybody that has give their life to Jesus that regretted it. Right, and, and I mean, exactly. As, of course, with us going to church, we know the same thing. Every every person that you see go, which of course, like I, we've talked about before, you don't have to get saved in an altar. I mean, you, it can be at any point in time, whenever right. God convicts you and you give your life to God, that's that's when you're saved. But yeah. Coffee table. Work. Yeah. I got saved on the carpet floor of my apartment in Arkansas. Yep. Yeah. I mean, but but it's, it's important to, I've never seen anybody that's been saved that went down in there, and you can you can see the weight on their shoulders whenever they go down to pray, and you can see that it's just been lifted up, and they get up with a smile, That's and it's right. just, I mean, it's crazy. It's a miracle is really what it <laughs> is. Feel. It's it's the best miracle that Jesus ever performed, and it was after he died on the cross. It was while he died on the cross. You know, there's a song that was sung at that revival. Uh, Matt, uh, we had Brother Matt Lane on here recently, and he sung a song that said, "There's a miracle in me," and that, that's a blessing too. Because yeah. yeah. he says, "The, first, the, the if, you, if you've never seen a miracle, just look in the mirror if you're saved." Yeah, that's right. Because that's a miracle in itself. Right. Well, and something else that popped up, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but I had to bring this up because uh, Brother Mike come down with us, and we kind of talked about what he wanted to talk about, and kind of just went over it for a while. And this never popped up in my mind, and it's been right in front of me the whole time, and. Uh, it's just a scripture that I want to share with y'all, and it's Proverbs 22, verse 6. And it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, of course, I'm not calling Brother Mike or Brother John old, but y'all's, y'all's conversion, y'all's testimony is, a, is the showing of that promise right there. True. I mean, yeah, exactly. obviously, both of them were uh, raised in Christian homes. And they departed from it, much like, I, I mean, I dare say almost everybody that has been raised in a Christian home, it, at some point you depart from it. But the Bible promises that you're you're always going to come back if you just if you raise them right, God can do the rest. Yeah. You know Amen. what I mean? And that's just that that really blessed me because I've thought of that before, and I know that there's a lot of people, and maybe people that's that's watching this and they're thinking. My kid just, you know, isn't isn't there yet, or he 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 was raised in church and now he's out there in the world and stuff. And I I know personally several people that's like that, but just to see that promise in the Bible that that now it may be after you're gone. I mean, you, you don't know when it's going to be, you know, but it's that promise in the Bible that there is a promise in the Bible that says they will come back, and that that just really blessed me. Yeah, that's where that too. prayer of trust and faith comes in that you're talking about that you it blows my mind when you said about talking or praying once for someone because at first i was like huh and then you went on to say that it was you said it in uh, that it was a prayer of faith and i thought about it and i was like well i pray in faith and but i just continually ask but then you said you heard your father's voice in your head saying i heard you the first time and i was like wow yeah and that just that that hit me pretty hard uh 
whenever you were first talking about it, yeah. I was much the same. I was like, when you first, when you said, I only pray once for someone, I was like, whoa, whoa now. <laughs> but, of course, you went on to explain it, and that, that really blessed me because yeah. so many times, and, and I mean, I think almost every Christian is is guilty of this. I know that I am almost constantly, is we almost act like God forgot right yeah but uh, you have you have to pray uh, of course uh, the bible says let me pull it up here it says in first uh, thessalonians 5 16 through 18 it says rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and everything give thanks but we we kind of think of that as praying the same prayer I mean, I, I, I'm pretty guilty of praying the same prayer a lot. Yeah, sure. And we, we shouldn't do that. God yeah. heard us, like like Brother Mike said, the first time God heard right. us. I mean, and we're, we're always acting like, oh, I haven't prayed in a couple hours. Do you think God maybe may have forgotten what I prayed? No, of course he didn't. I mean, he remembers everything. He's omnipresent. He, I mean, and he's the perfect and upright God. So why in the world would he forget? And we kind of act like that. So that really blessed me that, that you said that because obviously you're not saying to pray less. No, I mean, I've had that that scripture quoted to me when I would tell somebody about how, how my yeah. prayer life was, and the first thing to say, well, the Bible says pray without ceasing. I said I do pray yeah. without ceasing. I pray all the time, but I don't. I don't. Re, I try not to repeat myself over and over and over, because I believe when I pray in faith, I I believe that God hears me, and He He heard me the first time. And uh, and and I look when I pray that prayer of faith, I look for the answer. I mean, I watch for it to happen. I know that it's. I, I mean, I believe that God's going to show me one way or another. You know, sometimes it's what's been hard for me uh, over my life and in, in my prayer life. I'm getting a little bit better at it now. But sometimes God says no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that that that's and uh, <laughs> that's hard to handle sometimes and you and that might be one reason why i had a habit of praying the same thing over and over and over when god was either telling me not right now or wait or no and uh, uh sometimes it's it's uh, difficult when the answer is no but it's i i would never question god's will and, and we're not going to change god's will and uh but but I, I have had that verse pray without ceasing thrown at me a, a time or two. And I had to remind. I have to remind myself a lot that there's only three answers that he'll give us: is yes, no, or wait. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't like wait or no. That's you right. know, I don't like those <laughs> yeah, two at all. Yeah, but. we like the thirty-three <laughs> yeah, percent of yeah, uh, yes. yes. If, if it ain't yes, just I, I don't know. I mean, please answer. Right. Please say yes. You know, I, a lot of times that too, I would pray for something continually over and over and over again, the same thing. But then it, it, once you realize that it was a no, that's why you keep praying for it. You know, you'll have that, you'll just be able to move on and re- relieve yourself of that burden that you don't need to carry anymore. And, th- and that's mm-hmm. got something to do with faith. Whenever it's, it's hard, and I understand this, I've done this several times, I'm guilty of it. I'm really trying not to be a hypocrite when talking about this because I'm guilty of everything yeah. that we're talking about. Too. Too. And yeah. one thing that when we hear that no, we, do we stop praying about that? No, we keep on, and it's it's like a, it's like if I was five years old and I went up to my dad and I said, "Hey, Dad, can I go to Tanner's?" Yeah. And he said, "No." 
we were looking for another answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man, okay, I'll be back in about three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'd come back in three minutes, and, of course, Dad didn't change his mind. I mean, whenever he said yes or no, now, of course, that wait, that means you can come back in a little bit. I mean, don't bother him too much, but come back in a little bit. But it it's kind of – it's just awesome to me. Of course, that, and I, I wasn't trying to say that you – uh, I wasn't trying to throw that in your face by no means, because, oh, I know. but I know yeah. that a lot of people would do that. And mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, it's the prayer of faith, I believe is one of the strongest prayers you can have. I mean, because if we're not, it's just empty words. Yeah, those, we, we're warned about in the Bible about praying with vain repetitions yep. yeah, over praying the same thing over and over again. And I have a, and that's something I have to work on sometimes with my daily prayer life. I mean, uh, I caught myself. I called myself out on saying the blessing when I eat food. Mm-hmm. You know, saying the same thing every time. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to change that. I, uh, asking God to bless my food is usually the last thing on my list when I'm saying the blessing over my food now, because I realized that I was just saying the same thing. I wasn't even thinking about what I was saying when I was asking God to bless my food. That's that's just one yeah. one little instance there. But a lot of prayers that I've that uh, I catch myself now praying. It's it's just sort of vain repetition, yeah. and I, I, I try. I'm trying to change that. And in my conversations with God uh, are always. Uh, I try to make them always in faith. But there's another thing I'd like to add to that is a uh, is one way that God answers a lot of my prayers. I've, I've found lately is is when I read the Word of God. His answer to a lot of my prayers is already in His Word, and if I if I'll spend time studying, and of course I've been retired, uh, and uh, especially in the winter time when I can't get outside, I have plenty of time to read the Bible. But I've I've I've, I've prayed prayers, the prayer of faith many times about something, and a day or two later I'll be reading in the in the Bible, and the answer will already be there in front of me. Uh, I mean, a question I'll have, not asking him to do something, or maybe it would be, but it's right there in the Bible where he shows me through his word his, the answer to that prayer. And, uh, and, that, and that's, just, that's just as great a blessing as, as some outward thing, that, uh, that some miracle that he shows me in front of my eyes, but showing me the answer in his word because uh, that's one of the... Uh, I think the main way that God speaks to us and answers us when we talk, ask Him questions or pray to Him, is through through the Word of God. And the more time you spend in reading the Bible, reading the Scriptures, and studying, the, the I think it's even helped my prayer life. And, and I addressed part of this in the first podcast and and one thing that I said was prayer's not a 911 call it's a relationship it's a conversation between you and God now of course everybody that ever has ever used 911 they don't say uh 911 yeah can you do this for me or do this or thank you for doing what you're doing no you don't do that you say 911 I, I need you right now of course and so, of course, they'll come and stuff, and, and God is like that. Don't get me wrong. God, God will hear your prayer and everything, but it's, of course, like anything. My dad constantly didn't want to hear me go, hey, can I have this, can I have this, can I have this, can I have this, without me saying, stopping and saying, 
thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. And of course, if you do that, and I'm hopefully none of you will manipulate this or nothing, but, but of course, you know, if, if I were to sit there and I go, dad, really thank you for all that you've done for me. He's probably going to be not only, I mean, he's always likely to say yes because he loves us. It's that fatherly love, but he's going to be like, man, he really appreciates everything that I'm doing for him. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a deeper connection when you say, thank you. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you for nothing. It kind right of now. feels better, too, yeah. whenever you think instead of ask. It feels a whole lot better. you saying, thank you, Lord, or instead of, Father, can I have this, please? And it just makes me feel a whole lot better when I actually Well, it thanks. makes you seem, it makes you, I, I agree with you, it makes you feel almost not as dirty or something. Like, it's almost constantly like, we're always asking you, God. So instead of that, I want to give you my praise. Now, of course, that's what church is for—is worshiping and giving God your praise. But if you're only praising God in church, you're you're not you're not in the right mind. You really need to pray about that. Well, the Bible says, "What will be done in secret shall be rewarded." The Lord will reward thee openly, you know. And that's not about that reward at all. It's just praising God in every situation. Yeah, and of course, in First Thessalonians five eighteen, it says, "In everything, give thanks." For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, I mean, that, that, that's, of course, Paul talking to the Thessalonian church. And he's saying, thank, thank God. Thank God more than you are. I mean, and, and I do think that that's even Christians, modern-day Christians, like you, like you talked about, I think that there is a, there is a disconnect from a lot of uh, older, the older generation and even me when, uh, when we first started playing contemporary music here. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, my heart was hardened. I was like, "This is this is just different. This is not what I'm used to." I like the old red back hymnal, and don't get me wrong, I still love the old red back hymnal. But when whenever you really open up and you see, whoa, there is a lot of there is a lot of praise. There, now you do have to be careful, like we've stated before. You have to be careful with whatever you're listening to that it's not heretical or out of God's will or anything. You you have to do no matter what. If it's in God's will, though. You should be fine with it. It's just I mean? like our the pod, the name of our podcast is Study to Show Thyself Approved. You always need to study on things to make sure they're in line with the Word of God. Absolutely. Exactly. But that really blessed me was the the in everything. It doesn't say in this or in that. It says in everything give thanks. I mean, for me, and I'm I'm guilty of this a lot, is we should really be thanking God as soon as our feet touch the ground in the morning. As soon as we get out of bed, we should thank God that we are able to get out of bed. I mean, a lot of people are bedridden for the rest of their life. They're, you know, they're in a vegetative state. They're, they're, they don't have arms or legs. And I mean, just praising God for the simple stuff like that. And also, this kind of occurred to me when we were talking about that prayer of faith. We, we kind of act like we're putting faith in someone that doesn't really care for us all that all that much. In your mind, you're thinking, yeah, well, but does God really, like, I mean, he's got the whole wide world to worry about. He's He may not answer my prayer. But God cares for all of us individually. And it's, it's first off, amazing to me that a lot of everything that you will ever see, God knew that it was going to happen, first off. God set it in place for it to happen. Uh, everything... Uh, is in good works towards him. That's not an exact quote, obviously, but that really just blessed me was God made the trees for us to build houses. Um, All this stuff, that and God made stuff right now. 
it's out there, and we don't even know what it's for yet. I mean, he made this awesome, amazing place. We're still discovering animals, and it's 2021. I mean, we have all this technology and stuff, and we're still discovering some of God's creation. So to think that God doesn't care for you or me is just ignorance. You know what I mean? Well, he answered prayer back then, so why do we think he won't answer ours now? I mean, the Bible says he's the same today, yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. We we change. Uh, one thing that I think that's happened uh, over the years is, uh, I mean, the the span between our ages is quite a bit, but uh, when I was growing up, and it's, it's been gotten progressively worse over the years, but... Uh, we weren't, I wasn't raised in an instant generation when I wanted something. I mean, if I need some information right now, I don't have to go to the library. I don't have to go study or ask a lot of people. I just Google it and I get the answers immediately. I don't have to wait. And uh, it's that way just about everything that we have today, everything is instantaneous. Uh, if we want to call somebody, we don't have to go try to find a phone hanging on the wall. We reach in our pocket and we call somebody. And it's everything is at our fingertips. And sometimes I think maybe we, when we pray, we're wanting that instant thing that we're used to. We're wanting an instant, just an, an instant uh, answer mm-hmm. without, right. wait, without waiting. Right. Yeah. And it's always in his timing, never ours, because his, you know, his timing is, is perfect. It, it's so easy. first off that instantaneous thing that, that that's something that a lot of people talk about especially with google and facebook and all this stuff you know oh i'm wondering what terry's doing today well you can just hop on facebook and see if you know he's been online and he's seen where it, it's 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 really infected our souls we're an impatient yeah generation and i'm thankful god has put me through some things to give me patience i mean i've i've found a lot of patience and my military career and it's helped me out a lot living in this impatient generation you see everybody running this way 90 miles an hour turn back and run around this way 90 miles an hour and i just sort of stand there and i'm like why are y'all running that fast <laughs> and like acting like chickens with their heads cut yeah um, and, and it's it's just crazy to me that we uh that there's there's a i believe it's a statistic by harvard or something like that and it's talking about how as society we have less and less responsibility but as our responsibility and this is crazy to me as our responsibility gets less and less and less i mean back then you know you'd have you'd have the ice machine you'd literally have to wait for the ice man to come around chop a block of ice out and then put it in your refrigerator and it'd only be good for a little while but as we're having less and less time or uh, as we're having more and more technological advancements to help us through everyday life we're, we're having less and less time. We're spending less time with God. We're spending less time in prayer. We're spending less time in church. And thank God, I, and I really do, I mean, this is this is awesome to me because there for a long time, this church, there was 12 of us coming here. And it was my family, Brother Danny's family, and then a couple more people. And it would fluctuate even from there, from 12 to... And so I was kind of raised in a church believing that God was kind of like, okay, this is, I mean, it's just this little congregation. It's just this small thing. And you're like, well, uh, people aren't getting saved anymore. Well, he really shocked me this year and last year when, you know, uh, Brother Tyler was talking about, I believe it was the sheep from the 
from the goats that he was talking about. And he was saying he had, uh, which we talked about this in episode two with Brother Tyler, and he, he was talking about a vision that he had with all these people coming in, and the next week they all come in. And now we're sitting, I don't want to boast or anything, because it's nothing that we've done, but it's but it's God. And it's such it's so awesome that God, even in 2021, when society is telling him, we don't have time for you, we don't have time for you, He's still extending his hand to us and all this stuff. And that's just that's just been a blessing to me, was really thinking about that and thinking of it in that light. If if I were to say, I don't have time for Tanner, I don't have time for Tanner, over and over and over and over again, and I never see Tanner, and he just pops out of the blue and he says, hey, want to hang out again? And I go, no. And then 20 minutes later, he says, hey, want to hang out again? That That's God's love. Obviously, Tanner wouldn't have come out of the blue and said, hey, well, you want to hang out again after four years of ignoring me? You good? I mean, that's just a blessing to me. But it's it's so awesome that... We're lucky God isn't like us. You know, we're, we're supposed to be like Him. And, and, and here's something else, and I know you were talking about uh, the the generation that may be lost that, that needs to get saved, and you were kind of begging them to come to Christ. You were only promised once. Whenever, Whenever... Uh, Brother Tyler, of course, here's our pastor, but whenever any pastor, any preacher is talking on conviction of God and you feel that conviction of God, you need to understand that you are only promised once. Everything after that, God's a merciful God, don't get me wrong. I have been, I have gotten a lot more than one time and I'm thankful for that. But I was, I, God is still sovereign even if he just does it once because he's only promised us once and that's that's in itself is a blessing. But we kind of explained that as like, oh, he'll, I can get saved tonight. But it's not on our timing. It's on God's timing. I can remember while I was deployed, I wasn't saved at the time. I'd been in the military for about two years, and I had left here. And like you, I mean, you said the, the gospel had you sort of forgotten how you grew up. And I was sort of in that same situation. But I remember my family sent me a, a Bible overseas while I was over there. And I, I got it, and it just sort of, like, it hits me. And I was like, oh, I remember this feeling. You know, I remember this. But then I kept brushing it off and brushing it off. And then finally, like I've told before, in May of 2020, I gave my life back to the Lord. But it's just amazing that you can be so low, and he can still reach right down in there and still pull on your heart, it, no matter how low you are. It just it doesn't matter. Like that song says, I was at the bottom of the barrel. You know, that's where I was. I, I truly believe that. So we're approaching the hour mark. So uh, we'll probably go ahead and start to wrap this up. We, we don't have to end right now if we've got any more to talk about. But I, there was one question that I wanted to ask you was, what advice do you give to the younger brother Michael Gary? That's what I... I wish you'd let me prepare for that one because <laughs> that might take an hour for me to to do that. Uh, You've got all the time in the world. But uh, probably one of the one of the, the younger, the very young Michael Geary, the, the one that uh, was in church with his parents. <coughs> excuse me, when I was young, I wish I'd never gotten to the point in my teenage years where. I didn't think that going to church was, I just thought going to church wasn't that important. Even though I was raised in church at a certain age, I, I thought hanging out with my friends and doing the things that they were doing was 
that was what I should be doing. But that's that's one thing I would I would uh, advise the younger generation not to do is if you're if you're been in church, stay in church. Don't don't go any other way. Uh, stick with what you've learned. And also, if you're a, a you know maybe older like uh, Tanner, <laughs> uh, you know, so there's a lot of people that's been in, that's been saved before, but it didn't last long. They, they were back into the world. They, they're uh, doing things they shouldn't be doing. They're back into a sinful life. Backslid is, is the word that's most commonly used for that. And, uh, and I would, I would beg you if you're in that state, don't ever think that there's not a, that, it's too late for you. There's always time for you to turn back to God and ask him to, because like I said earlier today, God has always been faithful, even when I was not faithful. If you're hearing this and, you, and, it, and you're in that condition uh, where you're away from God and you know him, uh, just if you've got that feeling, say, maybe I should try God again. I, I advise you to go ahead. When you have, now that you have the time, that you're not promised tomorrow. And so if you have that thought, just a, a very small thought in your mind about going back to church or getting back right with God, do it. Don't put it off because the longer you stay away from God, the harder it is to get. Uh, but uh, get, get to make your mind up and just, I'm not saying Run, jump, go jump in the car and go to church. I'm not talking about going to church. You'll go to church after you get saved. If you're going to get saved right where you are, get right with God. And you'll find a church to go to. You don't have to be in a church to get saved. And uh, you don't have to have a preacher standing in front of you. And uh, But you can get on your knees and ask God to forgive you, take you back, or to save you, whatever you want to say to him. And, and he's faithful and just. I believe that he'll take you back. Don't wait don't wait too late yeah he's always right where we left him yep. you know that's awesome so uh first off thank you for coming i really appreciate it, it was a blessing for me i mean well, as soon as as soon as you come and talk to us about what you wanted to talk about it blessed me blessed my heart it did my heart good and uh thank you for your service i'm i am the only one i'm the only loser in here that hasn't served no. for the country so i'm i'm amongst giants but uh, we wanted to leave you with the uh, verse of the week, and it's Psalms 106.1. Obviously, Psalms is pretty much just a book of praise for God. So th that, that kind of goes right into what we've been talking about. And Psalms 106, verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So I just wanted to give that to y'all. Kind of hope, Hopefully that blessed y'all. And... Uh, Come back with us next week when we have another guest. We'll kind of see who we're talking to then. And uh, I appreciate everybody for listening. God bless. We'll, we'll see you, you next week. See y'all. Hey, this is Cole, host of the Show Thyself Approved podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure and leave us a rating on iTunes or any other podcasting apps. Tune in to us every week on Sunday for new episodes. Also, be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Show Thyself Approved Pod for updates on our weekly episodes. Thanks for listening and God bless. <laughs>